five young college adolescents leave the big city for a weekend getaway in the woods. One of our camper's brothers owns a cabin in the woods on the edge of town. Despite all the classic, treacherous warnings, a rundown gas station, the haggard attendant warning them of the dangers, the venture onward for a weekend of drinking, partying, and enjoying the pleasures of youth. If you think where you... If you think you know where the story is heading, you don't have a clue. This evening, for our campers, anything but formulaic. They will decide their fate, but the rest will be left to the gods. This is... It Records... Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Get Records podcast, you creatures of the night. I'm here, one of your many hosts. There's so many of us, but I'm one of them, and I'm Matt Johnson here over the internet highway. <laughs> Joined with by... <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Pete, I did not hear you, sorry. No, you're... Um... My connection or someone else's connection is really bad. So, like, your whole intro for me was just, like, robot noises. Uh, that's that's one too of my, bad. My best ones I've one. ever written, <laughs> Pete. So, you're just going to have to go listen to the episode. <laughs> Joke's on you. I don't ever do that. <laughs> uh <Uh-oh. laughs> What? I feel like there's a delay here. Is it just me? Is it no. my connection? I'm experiencing it as well. It's just no. me? No. Oh, it's not just me. I think okay. we're all having internet issues. It's probably Skype, because Skype's a piece of shit. just staring at the camera? Okay. I'm moving. Okay. <laughs> I can hear... Now you, are, I could, I could hear you the whole time, but I, you were I'm moving. I'm a, a very still talker. <laughs> <laughs> I can throw my voice. You're yeah, exactly. In your, yeah. Your free time. I can't make myself okay. sound like I'm in a vase. That's really, that's really about it. That was good. Okay, well, if you're still with us here over the internet highway, as I like to call it now, this week on the podcast we did the 2012 horror comedy Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard and written as well by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. Everybody ready? Get this party started! 
I seriously believe something weird is going on. What is that thing? We have to stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? We gotta get out of here. Somebody sent those things here to get us. You're missing the point. They want to see us punished. Now, I say 2012, but that's when it was released, but it was really filmed in 09, correct? Oh, I forgot that. God, was it it filmed back then? Jesus. Well, I think it it was originally filmed even before Chris Hemsworth had Thor fame. And it wasn't released because MGM was having financial problems. So they held on to it and didn't release it. And then, I believe Lionsgate, correct, released this I think film? so, yeah. And they had bought it. Yeah, Lionsgate picked it up in 2011 and premiered it at South by Southwest in 2012. And the rest is history. So it sat on the shelf for three years, Gavin in the Woods, before the, the public had to see it. That's so weird. And then I think... And then, like, development hell is also, like, something all movies fear. But, like, to have it, like, completely done and just sit on the shelf because of MGM basically being bankrupt. Still almost bankrupt, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, just like, I think James Bond might save us this year. And then... And then, like, five years later, it's like, oh, shit, we need to make another one. <laughs> Reboot it. Reboot James Bond. Ida Selva. <laughs> yeah. Heavily rumored to be James Bond, which will be cool. Yeah. But for those of you who haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, it's hard to not spoil it with... Um, but essentially what the plot is, is what I described. It's your stereotypical movie where you have five teenagers. They're leaving town to go to a cabin in the woods. And shit hits the fan, for lack of spoilers. it. I will say it. That, yeah, what's that? I was going to say it hits the fan. <laughs> it does. Because it, it sort of follows that formulaic plot of your, your classic slasher film. But then things start to change because as Goddard and Josh Whedon wrote this film together, it was a love-hate movie to revitalize the horror genre because they were were tired of the the formulaic slasher genre and wanted to spice it up a bit. Came up with Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I think um, the filmmakers make it very clear in the beginning 
of which character is embodying which horror movie stereotype, and you're kind of just like, okay, like, we get it. But, you know, later on it's revealed uh, that's all for a greater purpose that's being capitalized on, and uh, I really appreciate it for that, you know, and that way it kind of makes it unlike every other horror movie that you've seen. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. They have those, like, five basic stereotypes that you see in every slasher but the movie doesn't start with them it like it starts with these two guys and it looks like just a white shirt and a black tie and like a laboratory or some facility and we have no idea who these people are some warehouse talking about a failed 1998 experiment japan's failing and then boom cabin in the woods red titles come up and then we get to our five stereotypes so you know that something is going on in the background. Yeah. Which I thought was a clever touch. Because that really threw me when I first saw this movie. I went in opening weekend just wanting to see a horror movie. And I remember like when the movie started and it was Richard Jenkins, which is one of the guys. And the other guy's name is Bradley Whitford. So West Wing, um, Billy Madison. I was going to say, he's a bad, bad man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, business ethics. But yeah, they're in it and I thought I was in the wrong movie. Cuz I was like, wait, I went I'm coming to go see Kevin Lewis. This is the wrong movie. These guys were in the trailer. <laughs> that's exactly what the director was going for. I read. So, I think oh, yeah? they succeeded in that. Mhm. Yeah, this movie does a lot with throwing you off. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, for for context, if you guys don't know who Drew Goddard is or Josh Whedon, for example, um, Josh Whedon was the creative mind behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, and so was Drew Goddard. They worked on that together in the past. So they worked together, if you like that show. Cabin in the Woods has kind of a similar feel, at least dialogue-wise. He has a certain flair to his dialogue um, but I believe Drew Goddard was on Lost as well or Cloverfield, was it Cloverfield? yeah he was with J.J. Abrams I think it was Cloverfield he was a part of oh J.J. Drew Goddard and for all you Marvel fans out there I believe Josh Whedon wrote the first Avengers if I'm not mistaken he did. He directed the first two movies. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Then he got hurt in the second one. And he's like, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I'm done. There's more to it than that, but Marvel was being an ass to him because right. they're like, they're like, oh, we're going to take creative control. Drew Gardner was a producer on Lost. He's a producer. Okay, yes, yeah, so he was in Lost. Um, yeah. He's a very TV guy. Kevin Witch is his only he... movie. <laughs> oh, there you go. I think so. Yeah. Trying to go in, oh. What they did 
with Cabin in the Woods, I said is they I mean, it was meant to be a love letter, a love hate letter to the way the slasher genre and torture porn were going, and they wanted to change it up. So it kind of flips the genre on its head. I'm not giving away spoilers yet. So there's a lot of references. It's a very meta film. Um, just like Scream was, I feel like, back in the 90s, this had a very similar feel of it. It was aware of the conventions of the horror genre, and it was really going to poke them and pry them as far as they could go and really exploit them and show how they need to be, you know, not completely rehashed, but they need some new creative blood in there, which is what Cabin in the Woods was, really. Yeah, you know, they just were... Just the execution behind it all is, like, kind of, like, what made it great. Mm -hmm. Like, they knew a lot about all the different stereotypes and all the different archetypes, like Scream did. Scream was able to flip it, you know, make it a little different. Kevin in the Woods, it's like, oh, it's not... We don't necessarily have to make it different, but we're just gonna, like, you know... We're gonna have a comedic tone more than Scream did. Mm -hmm. Because I guess Scream Scream is, like, more serious, but it's also kind of funny at the same time. Kevin Wood is more of a comedic flair, which has also been... We've been down that road before. But I also, like, Joss Whedon's really smart. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. He's written a lot of comics. So, he knows he knows what he's doing with writing. Yeah, he's a very good writer, I think. And I think we kind of have to get into spoiler territory if we're going to go deeper into this film. We start, we spoil everything, that's alright. Yeah. yeah, so we said, you know, you have Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford in this laboratory at the beginning, and we have our five adolescents, college kids going off to the woods, and what happens once they're out there is we realize that the Richard Jenkins, Bradley Whitford characters are watching in on them. And we don't really know for what purpose yet, but they're watching in on on these campers, I guess, cabin in the woods. And what it boils down to is they have to appease some gods characters or higher beings they're talking about. Um, people upstairs with uh, like a blood sacrifice and these monsters have to kill the campers, but it's up to the campers to choose how they're going to die. So they choose their fate, but then these monsters have to kill them to effectively end the ritual. Is that about right? That sounds about right. Okay. And and how they do that is they're in the cabin in the woods and a trap door flies open and there's these little trinkets and all these different things splayed out in the basement. And if you choose one of those, that's you choosing your fate, one of those is related to a monster that will come. Cabin in the woods. <laughs> choose your own adventure. Yeah, it's a choose your own adventure and choose your own death, essentially, is what it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, before we kind of get into the references of all the monsters, I wanted to bring up that trivia fact that I mentioned earlier to you guys. Um, Firely. There's a lot of monsters that they, they talk about and we see in this film. So a lot of special effects went into this. Um, and one of the prosthetic makeup people for the film 
uh, in monster costumes and special effects, I read was Heather Langenkamp. And does that have any uh, connections for you guys? Not for me, actually. I got really excited for a second, but then I was like, no. Nightmare on Elm Street? Heather Langenkamp is the actress who played Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. The first couple of Nightmare on Elm Streets. Oh. Well, that's exciting. She did the makeup. I said that. And prosthetics for Cabin in the Woods. And that was kind of exciting to see. Hmm. That is cool. And her husband, David Leroy Anderson. Who's won Academy Awards for makeup for Men in Black and Nutty Professor. <laughs> Very random. Power couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, while I was going, oh, oh, Pete. No, I was gonna just comment on my connection being shit again. <laughs> um, sorry, man. But I lost you for a second. I got sad. So, glad you're back. I was gonna ask you guys a question. Of when I was watching the movie. They wrote it because they said they wanted to revitalize the genre. I was wondering if you thought that it did that, or if you thought maybe it's just a a film that, you know, like people like us cinephiles, horror fans are going to really enjoy, but it might not have revitalized the horror genre in the way they intended. Felt like it was a step in the right direction, but I don't know if it single-handedly could overturn the whole stereotype thing. I don't know. It's a nice breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. I think Slasher's pretty... Not Peter, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say that uh, I think Slasher is like, pretty much a dead genre. Like, anything that's released in that genre is usually not good at this point because of how many movies we've gotten. From, I mean, just from the 80s alone, there's like a fuck ton of Slashers. And then when Scream came out, we had a bunch of copycats of Cats of Scream. And then we still steadily got them until present day. And I think it kind of like delayed the demise of the slasher. But I think it's kind of time for us to give it a break, put it on the wayside. But it did help it a lot. I think it kind of revitalized people's interest in horror again. Because... There wasn't a whole lot. I feel like there was kind of like stagnant for a while, like good horror movies around that time. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Matt? Yeah. And I do, th- I do think, uh, similar to what you said, it's hard to revitalize the whole genre, especially the slasher, which I feel like is kind of dying because a lot of it has been done. I mean, Cabin in the Woods tried to do something. Scream tried to do something to revitalize it but it might be time to go to a just a different genre like i feel like what is more popular now is supernatural paranormal with like you know there was the paranormal activities there was the conjurings like the annabelles like that sort of genre is what's popular right now and maybe that's just way the way we're drifting compared to the slasher genre Wouldn't mind seeing some more witch genre, though. You know, Suspiria and whatnot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And then you always get that like one like indie horror film a year that does ver- that does very well with the critics, but it's usually split between the fans and like yeah. general audiences. Like like you, like just like the witch like is a very like slow burn like movie that like super horror fans really like, but general audiences hate it. And like mm-hmm. it follows is like another one, the Babadook kind of stuff like of that caliber. I feel like are critically acclaimed movies that general audiences don't really gravitate towards. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, maybe Cabin in the Woods is trying to revitalize the genre, but there are still films that are doing doing something different and making good horror. They get they just don't have maybe that mass appeal, or I don't know quite what it is. They aren't getting to enough theaters. Which, if I may then, if talk about the larger metaphor of this film, which, first of all, was written to be like a movie that was to revitalize a whole genre. The characters within the film, like, it was a multi-layered meta film where our five adolescents were like a horror movie. Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford were meant to be Drew Goddard and Josh Whedon, the writers of the film and directors. And then the gods were meant to be like the audience, which I thought was also an interesting take on a film that was trying to revitalize this genre, was to write that metaphor into the film of what they're trying to do. So like, we always need more blood. We need different characters. And we need to be appeased by these things. I get it now. And then Bradley Whitford yeah. and Richard Jenkins are, the, are these two guys who are like just messing around like, oh, we got to do something. We got to appease them somehow. We'll, we'll stick to what we know. And then we were actually watching the movie that they were making, which was so that was an interesting dynamic to write into the film. I never thought of it that way, but I I like that it does make an like another layer of menaceness to it. I admit that escaped me too, but uh, mm-hmm. hearing it and thinking about it, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, when the virgin and the fool are left, and Spoilers. <laughs> the the gods basically rise up and smash the earth or whatever. It is basically them saying like they need to retool the genre, which is why they wrote it in the first place. Like clearly we're not liking it, so start fresh. That's deep. How do you how do you feel about that ending? Because like I remember, uh, like a lot of people liking that movie, and then like. A lot of people also saying that they hated the ending, and I was like, "Why?" <laughs> I don't. I like didn't understand. Like maybe it was just because it was kind of like it, it lackluster to people who need a lot of things explained to them. I don't know. That sounds a little mean to say, but I feel like yeah. dumber people <laughs> want everything explained to them. No, I would back that up. <laughs> yeah and I feel like it follows the trend of the theme of the movie where the idea of the ending if it follows the metaphor I was talking about where they want to start fresh of the genre they had to die like that to follow the theme of the movie and people who might not have liked it typically like that formulaic slasher where it's the last girl at the end and she wins like she would have defeated Sigourney Weaver and they would have saved the day or got away that's not what Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard were trying to do. They were trying to 
say, we don't want this anymore. Like, we need to retool this, so it had to end that way. Yeah, it's really weird. It kind of brings to a point that um, I watched an interview today of William Friedkin talking about the director of um, mm. Battle Royale. I can't remember his name right now. But this the guy who directed Battle Royale was such, like, a old-fashioned, like, Japanese director who was, like, so experienced and experienced a lot of stuff in his life because he was, like, a kid in World War Two and experienced all this terribleness in, J- in Japan. And then he was, like, saying, like, how cinema of Hollywood today is so formulaic now because, like, he's, like, American audiences want something so clear-cut, like... Everyone has to know who the good guy is, and everyone has to know who the bad guy is, and that's why the comic book genre is so popular, because it has to be so clearly defined, and only comic book characters are like that. And this is, like, an old yeah. interview. Like, this, I think this interview was, like, a couple years ago. And I was like, damn, it's even more superhero than it is when he was talking about it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. It's really perceptive. Yeah, I liked his, like, I watched his interview and Quentin Tarantino's interview about the the same director, and I liked Real and Freakin's interview way more, because I like Quentin Tarantino's movies a lot, but I feel like he's really full of himself, and Real and Freakin is just, like, probably really honest with himself, because he's not as successful, like, he's had this, like, a rocky road with movies and has made some great ones and made some stinkers that he's like able to be like more uh honest than how Quentin Tarantino was mm-hmm. talking about how meta this film is I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of banter back and forth on any references that we noticed to other horror films or other horror characters that they mentioned or we saw as one of the monsters. I mean, you got like you got like all of them. <laughs> like when they push the oh shit button, um, literally yeah. fucking everyone and their mom comes out of that fucking all, all the their whatever they're held in. Uh, I mean, you got yeah. like a pinhead, uh. you got like a werewolf, you got like a clown. Yeah, literally anything. Mm-hmm. I I got the uh, the freeze frame of the board up here. You know, mind it. Um, you got the werewolf. Um, alien beasts looked like alien to me, from the xenomorphs in Alien nineteen seventy nine. But yeah, there's. Reptili- Reptilius is on that list and that's an old horror movie Reptilius literally a call out to that movie <laughs> uh, but Angry Molesting Tree which is Evil Dead the Deadites were big ones um, oh and Zombie Redneck Torture Family which is yes. the main villains that get pulled up to kill the five campers which it is reminded just, me of you know zombies, but also slash Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was also thinking like uh, redneck torture uh, family, the Hills of Eyes. 
There's also that. Yeah, there's a lag. The Hills of Eyes. Yeah. Zombies were there. Um, um, I got just like... It, this was the redneck torture family guy. Buckner, I think his last name was. But Ooh, when he point. came out of the lake, it just reminded me of a shot from Friday the 13th. And when they did the... They did the close-up of him, and he slowly tilts his head with that long hair. Reminded me of Michael from Halloween. His face, so. Just even shots were being, I think, pulled from other films. What was the weird term that they use about the Buckner family? Like, the diary that they found, and, like, they called, like, a husband's whatever when he was, in, like, the daughter was, like, referring <laughs> oh, to her, bo- a boner. <laughs> a husband I forgot bones. about that. I don't know how yeah. I could have forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. So bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, as your favorite scene, when... Uh, the guy from West Wing, all he wants is, like, to see the mirror man, like, be the one chosen. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> it's, and then when they're, like, the whole facility's being attacked, you just, like, hear, like, a flopping sound. And then like, the merman comes and kills him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I laughed at that scene when I first saw it. He's, he's just like, come on. Like, he, he's been wanting that his whole... His whole tenure, and it, that's how he goes. It's one hell of a way to go. Mm-hmm. He was both a critical and, and box office success. I think that's well known. It's fairly recent, but I don't believe there's been any talks of sequels or anything. But I think it had some fan fiction comics, and there was supposed to be a crossover with the video game Left for Dead. Why? <laughs> well, in the film, if you like slow down, you know, when they go to the elevators and there's all those little cubes that they're in, those people, which is a reference to the movie The Cube, there's in the cube. Um, there are four Left 4 Dead characters in those cubes. I feel like Left 4 Dead so was like so like dead at that time. Like, I mean, I know it's a great game, but 2000 when it came out I mean I could see when it was written 2009 that was like Left 4 Dead heyday right but yeah 2012 like Left 4 Dead was kind of on its way out for sure but it was already filmed and edited by yeah fair 20 yeah true so like they they already had put it all in there yeah that's true mm-hmm. yeah and it won several awards nothing like the Oscars, but a lot of the awards won best best screenplay and best makeup. Um, a lot of award, uh, like the British Fantasy Awards. I mean, those are Chicago BAFTA. Film. That's pretty. That's pretty important for sure. Mm-hmm. San Diego Films Critic at one best screenplay. So it's it's recognized as a critically and I mean people went and saw it. I think it made double its budget. Yeah, it's a very enjoyable movie. This is definitely way more accessible than other movies we've done because yeah. of the mm-hmm. mass appeal, appeal behind it. Because it, like, makes fun of, like, horror, but also is, like, good at being horror. Kind of has, like, the best mm-hmm. of both worlds situations. You know, Hannah Montana, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> Alright. So, if we don't have any any more trivia, I think we can roll into Defender Destroy. That works for us. Does that work for... Yeah. It, it records games? Yeah, it, uh, it does. I'll, I'll start. I defend Cabin in the Woods. As Pete even kind of mentioned, it's one hell of a ride. Like, you won't expect what's going to happen. We kind of spoiled it, but, like, going into it, you're kind of just expecting, you know, a formulaic slasher of people going to the woods, and it takes you on this whole other adventure that is refreshing, and it's fun, and you're laughing the whole time because it's kind of poking fun at the conventions, but it's also scary and, and bloody at times, which holds true to that, you know, torture porn genre they were going for. And it's a really good critique of the genre, but it's also, as Pete said, accessible to a lot of audiences, I think. And it's just a good movie to go, to go and see. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the same. I defend it. I thought it was crazy. And the plot, as it was revealed for me, was totally unexpected. Um, we've all seen the movies with the horror archetypes, but, you know, as we covered before, it was kind of interesting to see this one use them for a more specific, dark, and more satiric purpose and a much more intricate storyline so and you know here the key takeaway is that humanity is not worth saving so uh that's kind of bleak but uh <laughs> with that two thumbs up from me take it away peter i'm <laughs> thank you um obviously i defend it as i defend most movies that are horror related um yeah, I mean, it's just really funny. I mean, we barely talked about any of the characters, but that's okay, because it's just like... And the the archetypes kind of speak for themselves, but they, they got the stoner guy that you want to you cheer for for being really silly. And what am I... I'll, I also, why this movie gets defended is that they they dyed one of the hair, hair of the girl's blonde to make her dumb. I thought that was hilarious. That alone yeah. is a defend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else I can really say. Just that it's fucking great. <laughs> well, I guess that concludes this week of the It Records podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the 2012 slash 2009 horror comedy Cabin in the Woods. That we have a unanimous defend. Um, until next time, you know, we are on Facebook, Twitter, a website. We are on the internet <laughs> now. We, you can talk to us, and we will respond. So let us know what you're thinking, and we'd love to hear from you if you want us to do another mini-episode or you have a movie in mind you want us to discuss. But until then, I'm Matt Johnson. And I remain in the shadows. That was one hell of a dramatic pause right there. <laughs> what makes it even more dramatic is that your screen for me is frozen. So, I've just been going off your sound of your voice and not the move, not your moving lips. <laughs> oh, it's not frozen. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not moving. I'm you've been very still for about. I'm for very about tense. Twenty minutes now. <laughs> <laughs>
that's how spooky it is. This this movie's so scary. It's taking away the end of the highway. That you know, because fucking uh, what's it called is gone. You know, net neutrality. Or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all from me. <laughs>